Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show, returning to the airwaves this week in spite of absolutely flabbergasting popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for all of tonight's bantering around. And I'm happy to tell you that alongside me in the studio tonight is Captain Banter himself, Tony Kerr. Please tell me there's an irony to that that (laughs) I've not got, I've not detected. I've made up some T-shirts oh, with no. your face and the words Captain Banter above them. <sighs> Be handing those out. That's very much like a kind of royal baby kind of gaff, isn't it? Where, you know, someone gets half a million plates saying happy royal princess or whatever. Happy royal princess. <laughs> whatever, you know, I'm not really like a plate I'm not plate sure those would sold anyway, <laughs> even if it had been a girl. Yeah, you might, you might have to just flog those for... Well, that'd be a collector's item, wouldn't they, no? I guess. Now that we've mentioned it on the show. Captain Banter, that's your superpower. Captain Ability to be self-aware banter. Something like that. Captain Self-Aware Banter. Captain No Irony. (laughs) How's it going this week, Tone? It's pretty good, actually, Adam. Thanks for asking. What a momentous week. Crack the champagne, fire up the celebratory barbie, get yourself down the disco... Because uh, England have retained the Ashes, and they did it in spectacular fashion as well. <laughs> what a way to do it in the swirling Manchester rain. And if you think about all the, the great sporting moments of recent years, you know, the real kind of iconic standout, thrilling moments, you know, Torres scoring that goal against Barcelona, Manchester City winning the Premier League title in the final minute, you know, Aguero! You know, th- this is very much in that ilk, I would say. Oh, definitely. There would be, there'd be replays of that for... I mean, days to come. That close-up shot of Cook on the balcony watching the rainfall. We had Gary Neville there, didn't we? But we didn't have the Gary Neville orgasm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> retained <laughs> the ashes. Sorry. Well, I can't do the accent. It wouldn't really Over work. Over to you now to do another to do, to copy my joke, but with the accent. All right, I'll get, get a big and get a bigger laugh as well. England of retained the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable! That's just just my George Formby impression, really. Can you remember a more anticlimactic denouement to any sporting event? Anything, really? Ever? Like the end of my night out on Saturday was. Let's let's not go there. (laughs) No, let's go there. I'd like us to go there. It was even more, you know, that was a pretty bleak end to the night. (laughs) But it was still less. It was still less bleak than this. It was very flat. Would you want to elaborate on that? No, wouldn't I need? Yeah. I think the bleak, like one of the bleakest, it was, well, this wasn't the end to a night out, but it was when we got turned away from the nightclub because it was too early. <laughs> that was pretty bleak. It was about 9.15. That was bleak. Uh, that you were very much leading the charge to go there. But also, I don't know, there's just something very bleak about you getting chips and cheese and just eating it on the pier uh, at like two in the morning. 
Just like, yeah, have you got any, have you got catch in May, love? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, so yeah, some cricket happened, didn't it, at some stage? I don't know if you found this. It's kind of remarkable how unbothered I was by it. Like, I never thought I would be so unbothered by England retaining the Ashes, but it was just like, oh, cool. Uh, I know, it is... A... <sighs> don't switch off if you're listening, <laughs> uh, because there's plenty to discuss. I mean... There is quite a lot to discuss, actually. But uh, as you say, uh, really flat end to what has actually been for me quite a flat series. The, I mean, the first two tests weren't... Well, actually saying that, one of the tests was pretty yeah, good, the, wasn't the it? The first test was unbelievable. Okay, so I've forgotten about the first test, really. <laughs> yeah. But, it, yeah, well, it, yeah, I think I said at the time, though, it was good, but it didn't blow my head off. Uh, likewise, the second test, was it was entertaining. Uh, this test was entertaining in parts. I think that's the point, isn't it? I, uh, it's just I was unbothered about the fact that England retained the Ashes in the rain at Old Trafford because I very much felt that it was job done already. Lourdes was when I felt oh, England had done the job. And I think, to an extent, England felt that they'd done the job. <laughs> well, the exactly. Lourdes. And if you went back to 2005, uh, kind of transposed, if that's the right word, this kind of set of conditions on the final day in Old Trafford to the Oval, it would have been a real nail-biter, wouldn't it? We'd have been freaking out. Had it all kind of transpired as it did. We'd have been pretty excited, I think, at the end, and it would have been really, really fun. But as it stands, you thought, even if Australia win this, we'll win the next one. Yeah, they're, not, no they're still it, not yeah. going to win the Ashes, I think, was the point. And also, England have retained the Ashes, but at this point, they could still draw the series too. Well, if they win at Durham, then I will celebrate. I will get myself down the disco. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, that once the series is won, I think that's when when it will feel a bit different. But at the moment, you know, retaining the Ashes is great, but you know, to an extent that had already been done, but winning the series, that work is still to come. Well, it's all very flat, isn't it? I've got a can of Red Bull next to me to try and perk myself up, rouse myself from my slumber. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of been the story of my week so far. What, no energy? I'm running myself into the ground. Because we're going to America in a few weeks. Uh, and on I need, tour. I need to, on tour. <laughs> Book your tickets now. <laughs> yeah, playing dates all over kind of the East Coast. Uh, but I need to be able to fit into a 34 pants, I think, <laughs> by the time we go. So I've basically been doing too much exercise, eating too little. I've got low sugar Red Bull to add to the bleakness. Is it perking you up? Mm. It's helping. What about that pizza, though, that you had today? <sighs> was, that, was that part of your diet? Well, that's my one bit of food for today. Do you want to talk about that? I mean, you saw fit to post on Facebook about the pizza that you had for lunch today, so well, I don't know if you want to share it with the listeners as well. <laughs> Perhaps we can post it to the Facebook page. Because well, it's what a new takeaway joint uh, in Guernsey, but it's a pre-existing restaurant that does unbelievably good pizza. Well, it's, you know, it's a restaurant we're quite fond of, an Italian restaurant. The guy stopped doing takeaway pizza what, about two years ago, because he's got quite a small restaurant and he didn't want people... Cl- this is such a boring story for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Didn't want people clutching up his, uh, like, kind of foyer bit. Forensic detail you're going into. <laughs> yeah. well. uh, but anyway, he's eventually found a premises just up the road to open a small takeaway restaurant, which opened today. So I went in for lunch, got a pizza. People were loving it, mate. You posted on Facebook a picture of it and just hashtag game changer. Yeah. I got a text from Holly <laughs> that was just a picture of the restaurant. And just said, this changes everything. <laughs> it is true, though. It is true. It's the best pizza. It's the, it's the best pizza I've ever eaten. I've only been eating pizza for about twenty four to kind of twenty eight months, uh, but I love it. Ashes, bloody hell! England have retained the Ashes. Uh, they did it at Old Trafford at the earliest possible opportunity. Of course, three tests into the series. It's a strange test match, though, because it would be hard to deny that Australia had the better of it. They won the toss for the first time in the series uh, and elected to bat first for the first time in the series. And for the first time in the series, 
They scored some runs. 527 for seven to Clared. Built largely on a big 100 from Michael Clark. 187 he made. Also half centuries for Chris Rogers, Steve Smith, Brad Haddon and Mitchell Stark. England in response were in a lot of trouble at 64 for three. They recovered reasonably well uh, through a great 100 from Kevin Peterson, 113 he made. Ian Bell made 60, but they were eventually all out for 368, which handed Australia a big first innings lead. They then had to really decide when they were going to declare uh, because there was time left in the game, but the forecast was for rain. They ended up declaring 172 for seven um, at the start of the final day after rain on the fourth evening. And they had England in a lot of trouble at 37 for three, but then the rain came down again and there was no more play possible, which meant that the match finished as a draw to leave Australia frustrated, but England delighted uh, as they went ahead and retained the Ashes. So yeah, a bit of a strange game. As we said, quite a flat way to end. I mean, as an England fan, the draw is obviously a satisfying enough result because it did seal the Ashes, but uh, it's undoubtedly a shame, I think, that the, the rain did come down because it seemed like we were in for a hell of a climax. I mean, Australia was certainly on the charge, but there's no guarantee that they would have won. I mean, don't forget that England have been 30 for three on quite a few occasions in this series and they've been able to recover most of the time. So all three results were still possible. Uh, but that said, Australia were clearly the favourites with England 37 for three and their fans will no doubt be feeling very frustrated at the weather because they will think that but for the weather, uh, they would have won and pulled the game back in this series. Them's the breaks though, I guess, aren't they? Uh, unfortunately, rain is a part of Test cricket, isn't it? It was our favourite part, isn't it? Many people's favourite part. Yeah, like you say, real shame, because it would have been arguably the day of the series, wouldn't it, that final day? Uh, that was going to be unmessable, unmessable cricket. And if Australia had got back into the series, you know, who knows? Anything's possible. As it stands, there, there's no way back for them now, obviously. So what it does for the rest of the series, who knows? They'll clearly still be playing for a bit of pride, to use the old cliché. But again, slightly predictable, wasn't it? We, uh, you know, we knew if Clark got runs, Australia would be a thorn, uh, and uh, you know, big, big one eight seven put them in a good position. You know, obviously there were contributions from other players uh, in that innings. Yeah, I think I think it's on balance, it's, it's pretty much gone as predicted. You know, my three nil is still on. Pretty confident about that now. Should have put some money on it. My three one is still on as well. Yeah, arguably. Well, I'd, I'd like to see an argument <laughs> against it, to be honest. I mean, once again, the person I feel sorry for here is Ian Botham. Right. That gets, you know, he's got it wrong, hasn't he? And he's going to be slated now. So you felt sorry for him last week because it looked like he had it right. And now you feel sorry for him because he's got it wrong. Stop feeling sorry for him, Tony. Well, he's got a lot of sympathy for the man. <laughs> he does a lot of charity, Adam. He deserves the flack. I mean, speaking of feeling sorry, uh, I do feel sorry for Australia because they definitely played the better cricket in this test match and they probably deserve to win. But as I say, rain is a part of test cricket. And as an England fan, I can remember numerous test matches in the past decade or so that England would have won but for rain. I mean, I'm thinking Durban 2004 against South Africa, Lords 2007 against India, Antigua 2009 against West Indies, Old Trafford 2005 against Australia that had it not been for rain, England would have won those test matches. Now, the fact that I can still remember those would suggest that it still rankles, <laughs> uh, but you've just got to get over it, haven't you? And nine years on, I've just about got over Durban 2004. <laughs> um, yeah, you just have to go with it. And if Australia had played better than they did in the first two games, they might not be 2-0 down. You know, it's those two games that have, have, have put them in this position. If they hadn't played that badly, if, if the series was still all square or they were only 1-0 down, then they'd still be all to play for at Durham. So it's it's the fact that they played so poorly is what's given them this problem. And on the balance of play so far, I think England do still deserve to be well ahead in this series. I mean, 
right now people are sort of saying, well, oh, do England even deserve to have retained the Ashes given the way this test turned out? But if you sort of reverse the sequence, if you imagine if this test had come first and Lords had been a bit later on, people would be saying, oh, well, England definitely deserved to be ahead in the series because they played better overall. Even with the rain, though, Tane, do you think Australia might have found a way to force a win here? Could Michael Clark have declared earlier, perhaps, that England 180 or 200 to win, or even just declared straight away, just not played the, their second innings, given that he knew that a draw would be no good to them and he knew that rain was coming? Should he not just have gone for a break like that? Forget about setting England 330, just go for it. I guess there's an argument for that. Uh, it was quite a strange one, though, wasn't it, with the weather? Because I checked the forecast. <laughs> <That's not> the... <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're getting, oh, that's your Guernsey accent. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're doing your Guernsey accent far too much. <laughs> I checked the your... forecast. Check the forecast. I checked the forecast regularly. Regular. Uh, oh, I the checked forecast, the forecast, Lord. <laughs> I checked quite a lot of the forecast uh, quite regularly. I'm addicted to the five day. Uh, and, you know, it was nice to have a different five day to look at than just Guernsey. <laughs> uh, but, it, I mean, it constantly said, you know, persistent drizzle or rain or whatever. Yet, unlike here, like in Guernsey, you know, it'll say that, but actually the crowds are quite broken and you don't get that much rain. So, I don't know, maybe maybe the experts, meteorologists, <laughs> maybe the expert meteorologist. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the I'm expert, not sure that Red Bull's working. Maybe today. the expert weathermen in the Australian dressing room, <laughs> you know, your David Warners, uh, probably were in Clark's ear saying, look, mate, oh, look, it's not that bad. Yeah, and people were saying in the commentary box, weren't they, oh, you shouldn't take the weather into account. And to an extent, I can understand that, and, and that's what I would say most of the time, is make sure that the game is safe first, because, because if the rain doesn't arrive, then you're going to end up looking like an idiot and lose a game that you should have won and certainly yeah, and also, not I mean, lost. You know, if he declared, or, you know, if he declared earlier or whatever, and England had like, knocked them off easily, he'd have been absolutely slated. Well, would he, though? Because this is my point, because given that Australia were 2-0 down... A draw is as useless to them as a defeat. So making the game safe was kind of irrelevant. They just needed to take 10 England wickets. I, I, I can understand why well, they, they needed more runs to give them more time to get the win. But it's not like people weren't convinced that the rain was coming. And I mean, yeah, even if he had done that, they probably still wouldn't have had enough time because the rain did come so early on the final day. The point I was going to make is that I think if, if, this, if the positions had been reversed... Alistair Cook would have taken a lot of stick for being too conservative. And he has done in the past, Because Clark yeah. is seen as being a very bold captain. No one's mentioned this. But actually, he, he could and should have declared earlier, I think, given that he knew that he literally had to win this game. But, but that aside, you know, you've got to give enormous credit to Australia for the way that they played in this game. After a pretty miserable performance at Lords, to bounce back like this and play very decent cricket for five days was, in, was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of people who were... Uh, perhaps more positive about Australia's chances before the series had started like, like you had started to come out and think, hey, actually maybe the five nil is on. Uh, maybe yeah, like, they again, are, like, again like you, maybe they are hopeless. You know, and they're not a hopeless side. They've done all right here. Can they do it again in the next test? I'm not going to ask too many rhetorical questions here, <laughs> but can they do it again in the next test? Possibly, uh, but the chances are no. Uh, you know, you're still back England as favourites for for every test. I'd say between now and January. Well, to an extent, nothing has changed in the way that I would view Australia, and you've already picked up on this. You know, Clark got runs, and therefore they posted a total. And because they posted a total, they were in the game because their bowling attack is more than good enough to take twenty English wickets. The point is that Clark didn't post a score in those first two games, and he won't always. So Australia are always going to be vulnerable to defeat because the rest of their batting isn't as strong. But 
but Clark has to receive a hell of a lot of credit. If, if his captaincy could have been a bit more aggressive towards the end of the game, uh, you know, with the bat, he, he should get no criticism whatsoever because that was an absolutely spectacular 100 under a hell of a lot of pressure because he knows that he mm. carries it all for Australia. He is the one world-class player in the Australian lineup. Some would say he's the one test-class player in the Australian lineup. He has to deliver for them. And he did. He responded to that. Pressure. And that was the first Aussie century of the series. And what the first Aussie century, I guess, in eleven tests was the eleventh test. Yeah, which since he last made it. <laughs> yeah, so you know that can't be right. It's the first in the top. That can't be right. Cause yeah, it, wasn't it ten tests since they'd made it? Since they had a top no, century. No, he got one in channel. I think top three batting oh, in top okay. three. You can say that again. It's the first century for it's the seventh test since the last okay. century. I mean, it's the seventh test since the last century, isn't it, Adam, as uh, I was telling you earlier? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, if... I'll probably leave that in, and that's a real peek behind the scenes, <laughs> isn't it? It's the way we work, or if we just... This feeling we like, may... <laughs> you went to just hook up an autocue. <laughs> if Tony makes a mistake, I just go, mate, I'll say it again. I'll go, <laughs> um, a puppet, and I'm pulling the strings. Uh, but, well... Yeah, so you do the cricket, I'll do the gags. <laughs> uh, you feed me the gags. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. All of those gags that I make. <laughs> I, 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 I try and say one and I get it wrong. And Tony's like, no, say that again. No, just rework it. Like, nice idea. But this punchline. This, the theme is there. Uh, you know, well, if, they, if they've got to wait another seven tests for a century, you know, they're in trouble, aren't they? England are going to bring the Ashes back from Australia yet again. So, I mean, big onus on the batsmen to, to improve. Absolutely, yeah. A lot of, yeah, yeah, sorry, and a lot of half centuries amongst them, uh, you know, two each for Haddon, Roger Smith. Well, and in this game, they, they, they had four half centurions alongside Michael Clark, but that's the point, isn't it? It takes so much pressure off them if Clark's batting there with them. Like for Steve Smith, the fact that Clark was there and he went and got his 100, like Smith is very much sort of second fiddle there, and that's where he's very happy to be. And then Brad Haddon and Mitchell Stark come in, come in when there's more than 400 on the board. It's so much easier like that rather than coming in at 120 for six or whatever. And yeah, as we said last time, if Australia do get runs, they will be in the game because their seam bowling attack is extremely strong. I've been so impressed with Ryan Harris in this series. I mean, he was unplayable at times at Old Trafford, bowled an absolute peach of a delivery to dismiss Ian Bell in the first innings. And given how well Bell is playing at the moment, how well he was playing in that innings. I mean, I think that's the best Bell has played in this series, which is saying something, the way he was playing in that innings. So it must have been a good ball to not only get him out, but to clean bowl him. Harris has taken 11 wickets in two games, an average of 18. Now, he wasn't even first choice at the start of the series. He's now the leader of the attack. And he's been well supported by Peter Siddle, of course, as well. He's quietly gone about taking 16 wickets at an average of 21, which is a better average than any of the England bowlers in this series. And speaking of England, were you disappointed with the way that they played at Old Trafford? Do you think they took their foot off the gas, knowing that they were 2-0 up? Do they just sort of feel, well, we've just got to turn up and we'll beat these guys? Uh, I think you have to imagine they they, they did. Uh, obviously, all the noises, you know, the, the nonsense that you get from press conferences these days, uh, all the noises was, oh, you know, we're not... I think they literally said, we're not taking our foot off the gas. Uh, we'll be going for the win here. That's what they were saying publicly, privately. They, you know, they must have thought hey, we, we can do this comfortably. We don't need to really bust a gut. So, yeah, slightly disappointed. I, I can't see it happening again in the next test, which starts very soon. Well, the only concern for me is that ordinarily I would say, oh, well, this is just you know a, a, an anomaly, a little blip for England. But it has to be said that they haven't quite hit their straps yet in this series. They're 2-0 they're up, but it's been because of some fantastic individual performances. I think as a team, they've not been that brilliant yet. I mean, in a way, it's encouraging that they're 2-0 up. 
and they've retained the Ashes without playing their best cricket. But there's another way of looking at it, which is that aside from the series in India at the end of last year, they've not actually played their best cricket in any series for about two years now. If you just think back through, you know, the tour to New Zealand at home to South Africa, the tours to the subcontinent last year, you know, England haven't actually played that well for a little while. The batting has been at the root of that to a large extent, and it's the batting that's struggling at the moment. There was a great 100 from Peterson here, a really fantastic 100, but nobody else stepped up in this game aside from Bell. And Bell's got the best part of 400 runs in this series and is averaging 76. But aside from him and Joe Root, who's had one beginnings, uh, nobody else is averaging above 40. Stuart Broad is third on the list of, of batting averages. So if you take out Bell then the averages for the English and the Australian batting lineups look very similar. And given how much criticism the Australian batting lineup has taken, should that not worry England a little bit? I mean, Cook and Trot are both averaging in the 20s, and Matt Pryor's amassed a total of 69 runs from five innings. I, I can't remember Pryor having a, a more disappointing three-test sequence than that. Yeah, it'll be disappointing, and they'll be individually disappointed with those performances, but I don't know, you just can't see it lasting. And you, you think... If the majority of the batting lineup is out of form together, Sod's law and the law of averages and all the other laws that, that law. come into play here uh, would suggest that you know they're all going to flip back on together at the same time as well. So you know someone's going to get a lot of punishment not far down the line, and you, you wonder maybe that would be down under. The wonder down the, under. Yeah, I'll be wondering down under, <laughs> down undering. Uh, uh, you know, you know, you could easily see Kirk Trot uh, and having you know having a another monumental series in Australia. Well, absolutely, that's by no means out of the question. I mean, I think Cook is just out of form at the moment. He looks out of form, and given that he's been in sensational form for the last few years, that's fair enough. And, of course, it's at least partly down to the excellence of the Australian pace bowlers, who have been terrific. As we say, Harris and Siddle, most batting lineups around the world would have trouble against them. But I think there are one or two sort of fundamental concerns about the batting lineup, and it's particularly in the first innings where they're having trouble posting runs. Peterson is the only one of England's main batsmen to be averaging more in the first innings of test matches than he was two years ago. Everyone else's average has gone down. Jonathan Trott is actually an interesting case. Since the beginning of 2012, which is a year and a half and 23 test matches, he's averaging 39 with the bat, which is by no means terrible, but it's not world class for a test number three either. And up until that point, I would have said he was probably the best number three that England had ever had. <laughs> He'd have probably been in my world 11. That's not really the case anymore. I and mean, before you say anything, this is not me calling for him to be dropped. He's clearly still capable of hitting those heights. He's still dominating in one-day cricket. His test average is still only a shade under 50. But he could definitely do with some runs in these last couple of games, couldn't he? I mean, and he has looked quite good, hasn't he, at times when, he, when he's played. Uh... He looked great in the first two games. In this game, he looked a little bit out of form. His head sort of falling over to the offside, but... But that's not to say that he won't get it back in Durham. And I wouldn't be too worried about him. And I still, despite everything that I've just said, I still wouldn't be too worried about the England batting lineup in general or the England team in general. I don't think they've played their best cricket too often recently, but they've still managed to go 11 test matches unbeaten now. Um, so that's a, that's a formidable record for a team that's not at its best, I suppose, isn't it? Should they make any changes for Durham, do you think? Graham Onions is, is back in the squad and he could be an option. Would you, would you go for him on his home ground? That's a tricky one. Probably not for me. I don't see any reason why you'd want to change it. One argument would be to rest Anderson or Broad, um, given that the Ashes are retained, given that uh, you know it's back-to-back tests, the workload, etc. Or you could say, well, Tim Breslin, he's done very well in these two games, but he's more of a sort of workhorse, isn't he? And, and if the conditions at Durham are going to suit swing bowling, 
Onions is in great form, just took nine wickets in a county match. Um, These are compelling arguments. I'll give you that. And it's his home ground. He knows all about the conditions, of course, doesn't he? Uh, I, can, I could see Onions coming in and taking four or five wickets on the first morning, uh, sort of running through Australia. Yeah, I wonder, though. I mean, if you're talking about resting players, leave it till the fifth test. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. I'm glad I'm not a selector. <laughs> I'm glad you're not a selector. You'd probably be bringing back Graham Hick as fast as you possibly could. Definitely. First name on the uh, speed dial. <laughs> Should we talk about the DRS again, Tone? The yeah. Com- the commentators were getting all hot and bothered about it once again at Old Trafford. The Usman Kawaja decision was the particularly controversial one, wasn't it? That was when uh, Swan was bowling and he was given out, caught behind. Kawaja reviewed it. Uh, there was nothing on hot spot. Didn't seem to be much of a sound and it just looked as though the ball had missed the bat. Uh, but Kumar Dharmasena, the third umpire, um, decided that there wasn't enough evidence to well, overturn this is, the decision. Yeah, the real thrust of a lot of the really controversial DRS botch-ups uh, in the series has been centred around the umpire going down the line of not having enough evidence to overturn the decision, even though there has been plentiful evidence to overturn the decision. Uh, well, he's saying, I can't see anything to say that he didn't hit it. And that's, you know, that's leaving it on the umpire's call, isn't it, essentially? Yeah, but the, pro- the problem with that is, surely it's the absence of evidence in favour of the decision is evidence... Well, exactly. ...against the decision. I but... mean, he should have to look... He, yeah, exactly. The, the, the kind of argument should be, refer it upstairs. Is there something... Is, yeah, does it look like he's hit it? No, can't see anything to suggest he, he hasn't hit it or has hit it, so he's probably not hit it. Yeah, so there's got to be a change in emphasis there, hasn't there, where at the moment they're saying, see if there's any reason to overturn the umpire's decision. And really, it should be see whether it's out. Yeah. Like, that. that that's... Start with that. That seems like a sensible... <laughs> yeah. You know, quite how they didn't arrive at that at the last, whatever it's called, Intercontinental Publicity Conference. What's it called? <laughs> ICC Conference? Something, yeah. Anyway. Convention. Yeah, convention on... Comic-Con, I think it's called. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's not been a great advert, has it? You know, the BCCI are probably listening to this laughing... Saying, ha. They're probably not listening to this at all. all but they're, they're, they're probably watching the ashes laughing. <laughs> I mean, that Kawaja decision was baffling. And there were, there were others in the game that the players or the commentators got very upset about. But a lot of them, I'm not sure. I mean, England were hugely upset that Warner wasn't given out, caught behind. But there wasn't really any evidence for that. The thing about DRS that makes people so angry, and I can understand it, is that the third umpire has so much more time to make his decision, doesn't he, than the the on-field umpire does. I think this is why people get so upset about it. Because if an on-field umpire makes a a mistake, well, he's he's making that in a split second or a few seconds or whatever. 
Uh, so I think people are possibly a bit more forgiving of that than Kumar Dharmasena endlessly running the footage of Kawaja missing the ball and then giving that out because that's just baffling and infuriating. And I can understand that. But at the end of the day, a mistake is a mistake. And it is worth remembering that had the DRS not been there and after the Kawaja decision, a lot of Australian fans were like, oh, scrap the DRS. Had it not been there, he would have been out anyway and it would yeah. have been just as big a howler and it would have left Australia in just as, as much of a pickle. So really, it's just got to be, does it work or not? And, and again, that Kawaja one was not a problem with the technology. It was a problem with the umpires that are attempting to apply the technology. That said, though, is there a problem with Hotspot? I mean, people are now beginning to question it a bit more than perhaps they were. And I don't know whether that's just because people are questioning the DRS more and saying, oh, well, can we trust Hotspot? Or whether they are now discovering flaws in it that perhaps weren't there before. Yeah. Or weren't identified before, I should say. Well, I should have said identified team. Should we start? Should we start again? Should we start? Should cut. we start the episode again? Yeah, cut that. Go back to the top. Back to the top, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, oh, I mean, it is a d- difficult, isn't it? Because you are. Can I get a tea? <laughs> no, just milk. You are. Cheers. It's you know you are inclined to take at face value these kind of back wacky technologies that come along uh even hawkeye comes along you, you know there's some boffins explain it at the start you know whatever it was five six seven eight years ago how many years ago was it it's probably 10 yeah i would say it's a while isn't it minimum uh actually. you know they say oh we've got these cameras around it's flawless the mathematics are, are, are excellent yeah so you know, i can see why people are skeptical because there's you know essentially people have just been asked to believe something with no very little explanation but Hotspot does just seem to look right, doesn't it? It seems to make sense. People are now saying that, particularly in hot weather, it doesn't always pick up the faintest edges or when uh, the batsman's swinging really hard. If there's a mark, then he hit it. But if there's not a mark, it doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't hit it. It's possible that there is a problem there. But I think... But what... hang on, that's not a problem, though, is it? Because then not, someone's not going to be given out wrongly because of that. It's not like... Hotspot has this problem where a, bat, a batsman can swing at a ball, miss it completely, and air friction can leave a mark. Well, He's given out without you hitting it. You say that, but you're talking about core behinds. Of course, there's LBWs as well. Oh, yeah. Where they might have inside-edged it, and, and if that's not picked up, then uh, then that's a problem. True, but then if it's that fine an edge, you know, how, you know, would you see it in... In real time, uh, in and uh, kind of with a, with a real footage view of it, but then it, it leads to confusion where there might be no mark on hotspot, but there is a snicko later, and so people are saying, "Oh, well, he did hit it," and that's where people get upset. I mean, I think the point is that you've either got to use hotspot or not use it. So, like Peterson was given out twice in this game: once LBW when there was a small mark on hotspot, once caught behind when there was no mark on hotspot. If as the third umpire you're not going to pay attention to hotspot, then don't use it. Or they need to be told, actually, this does work, whether or not the players think that it works. And to me, what people are looking for is consistency. Like Hawkeye, for example, you don't know whether the ball actually would have gone on to hit the stumps when it says that it will. But the point is that there's consistency for both teams, that we're using the same system. And if that if the same thing happens on either side, you know, to a player on either side in this exact way, then it Hawkeye will turn up the same thing. It's like in tennis, like for line calls... You don't actually... I mean, they didn't even show the replay anymore of the actual ball. You don't actually know whether that ball was in or out. The point is that it's consistent, that there's some consistency there, that everyone's using the same system. And I, th- I think that's the point. There's got to be consistency. We're either using Hotspot and believing it, or we're not. I mean, some people have suggested that the way to solve a lot of the controversy is to hand the review process to the umpires. 
to take it away from the players and just say the umpires can go upstairs if they're not sure. What what do you make of that idea? Uh, there's an argument. I mean, and I've just expressed it. The argument, I guess, the counter argument would be, well, they'll just review everything because why wouldn't they? And if they didn't review it and it was a botched job, then they'd get the extreme criticism. So, well, and look at what happens with runouts. I mean, at this yeah, point, it's ridiculous now, they go it? upstairs for literally everything. And there was one in the Champions Trophy where he was short by about a third of the pitch and Darmacina went upstairs. And that is the problem, isn't it? They will review everything. And already people are upset at how much time is taken out of the game with the DRS. That would just be way I mean, more... It's actually, as a spectator, a very frustrating thing to watch, the, the, the particularly the run-out referrals, because it does sap the energy out of the moment, doesn't it? The argument for it, I guess, would be taking out the captain's hands and get rid of all these excuses. It has been a bit boring hearing about captains using the reviews badly, particularly players at the top of the order, like Watson, using the reviews badly, and Cook, to a certain extent, in this test. I think the reviews are here to stay, aren't they? And, uh, I think we've got to get you just most people who are well the anti-review camp needs to just get on with it absolutely yeah it. and i felt like people had got on with it until yeah. this series and i think it's bizarre actually how much this series is has centered around these kind of decisions well for me what might be the problem is that these umpires are not very good and i i would usually hesitate to uh to criticize you know an umpire his entire career i mean sometimes they make bad decisions but I'm not convinced about Darmasina and Co. on the evidence of, of these games. Across the series, both third umpiring and umpiring on the field has been pretty terrible. There are some very good umpires around at the moment, but they're either English or Australian, and this, this is a problem that the, IC, uh, that the ICC has got. I've made a, I stumbled over my words there again. So can we go back to the start? <laughs> um, there are only four umpires on the elite panel who are not from either England or Australia. So again, some people have said that possibly a way of solving this problem and it's going to get worse because if players get tired over 10 ashes tests the umpires certainly will that the way to solve that problem is to allow uh, non-neutral umpires to have home umpires officiating um or australian umpires and english umpires officiating in, in ashes tests what do you think about that idea uh well yeah definitely and you need the best i mean it's, yeah we've heard the argument before you need the best the best people in the you know the most important positions so Definitely get the, the top umpires in. There's no... I can't see that there's any hiding place for uh, bias because, you know, there's a million... Well, as we know, there's a million cameras everywhere. Decisions will be scrutinised, you know. It, wouldn't, it would only take one or two or a little pattern of dodgy decisions to, uh, to be picked up. And, you know, it's, you can't see it being in the interest of a, of a, a non-neutral umpire to make bias calls. So, yeah, get on with it, get them in. Get him in for the, the fifth test. Well, I absolutely agree that it wouldn't be in the interests of those umpires to make bias calls because they've got a career to think about and, you know, they, they care about their professionalism, etc. And I don't think that they would make bias calls. However, the problem is that there would be a perception that they're making bias calls. Umpires make mistakes, as we know. Imagine if the, the Kawaja DRS referral had been going to an English umpire and he'd made that mistake. Australians would have just been well, they probably would have even off the more pitch. angry yeah, yeah. because the perception is that it's a biased decision. It might be incompetence rather than bias, but it will be perceived as bias. And I don't see how you can get around that problem. Eventually, someone's going to make a howler. Um, I think you just got to have one standing umpire and then uh, you have a player from the batting team at square leg. Like, <laughs> go club on it. Just, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, get out there. No one likes to do it. No one will want to do it. But... Get someone's dad to stand. And, yeah, just... Perfect. Just like the, the tail ender when the openers are in, and then as soon as one of the openers is yeah. out, he comes out and stands at square leg. Yeah, boom. So the Ashes have been retained then, Tane, but the series isn't over. We roll on to Durham, don't we, for the fourth test, which starts on Friday. Are you going to be able to sustain your interest in this series now? <laughs> oh, Obviously, yeah, the series yeah. is still there to be won. Of course, mate, of course. I mean, having been 2-0 up, if this does finish 2-all, then that would be extremely disappointing for England. That would, that, would, that would feel like they'd lost the Ashes, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. And I mean, it would uh, certainly put a bit different complexion on what happens uh, down under. We were, I mean, were we excited initially? We were, I think, about the 10, 10 test series. Are we as excited now? Probably not. I don't know. I'm still, I'm actually really looking forward to the, the series down under because I think that will be very, very competitive. And I think these two games, there is still a lot of interest. I mean, England would dearly love to win at least one of them to sort of make sure that this looks like uh, a, a proper Ashes victory. And I think Durham also, you know, that that's going to be a result. Unless there's lots and lots of rain, that will be a result. And it, it could be fascinating because it's two strong bowling attacks anyway. Two fairly dodgy batting lineups, you'd have to say, anyway. Uh, you know, in bowler-friendly conditions, this could be a very exciting, low-scoring, potentially, test match. And as we say, it is all part of the build-up now to this series down under, which I am looking forward to. Are you, are you looking forward to that, Tony? looking forward to a, a winter of no sleep? <laughs> yeah, looking forward to getting under the doona, <laughs> can of Red Bull. It's good because you're not, like, tired already. No, I moment. know. I don't really understand how I'm going to be able to do it. <laughs> I think I need to kind of reassess. To go back to the drawing board. It's a good job you don't have kids, really, isn't it? Well, it's, it's an impossibility at the moment. <laughs> I just don't know where they'd fit in. Uh, That's the thing. scary I'm thought. Literally terrifying, the idea of that, because I, some, I was talking to, to someone about this, and I was like, yeah, I just I don't know how that would happen, because, like, I'm really tired all the time <laughs> anyway. And they're like, yeah, well, you think you're tired now, but you'd be more tired. I'm like, that's my point. Yeah. I do think I'm tired now, <laughs> and I literally wouldn't be able to function. Yeah. I don't understand where you'd fit it all in. Something I'd have to give, and it would have to be the kids. I think you could say it'd have to be the podcast. Like, that's, that's the state. No, mate, that's, that's locked. That's locked in. Call these Australian teenagers to think about. <laughs> Much like my ability to come up with anything topical for this bit of the podcast, this week's episode of the World Cricket Show has been an abject failure. It's probably about time, therefore. There's nothing topical. That we brought it to an end. It's all very depressing. The news at the moment saying I was going to make some kind of Doctor Who gag, but I literally my brain couldn't come up with anything because I'm really tired. I don't know if I mentioned that I'm really <laughs> tired, but I'm really tired. What is happening in the news? Uh, we've got a new Doctor Who. Uh, there's been an announcement that there's a new Doctor Who. Um, the actor Peter Capaldi is going to be playing Doctor Who in the television series Doctor Who. Um, I completely missed this whole like simulcast like worldwide announcement thing. Well, I, I didn't even know it was happening. Well, I was glued to it because I thought it was going to be you. I was <laughs> I was really rooting for you there, Tony. I was gutted for you because I, I, I really wanted someone going to get it. Someone slightly older and less tired. <laughs> uh, That's what they said to you after your audition. Yeah, they're like, mm, it's good. Come back in a few years. You got kids. Is that why you're drinking Red Bull all the time now? Yeah. We got lined up for this week then, Tony. More pizza. Get some sleep. Go home and get some time. sleep. I literally haven't got time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What does that mean? Well, I don't know when... Because you're on my case the whole time. I've got so many articles on the internet to read. <laughs> well, I woke up at quarter to five today, worked a full day, got a haircut and a pizza, played tennis, went for a swim, 
did the, now I'm doing here doing this. Now I've got to go with you to plan this thing. Then I go to bed probably about twelve. Get up again at quarter to four. Yeah, well, I was I was with you last night as well. We were on, a, on the beach having a barbecue, <laughs> and uh, you left at about eight. You're like, oh, early start, mate. Got to get up. Got to get up at five. Got to get to bed. Go home. Get get my head down. Then I went home and I checked Facebook, and you were fiddling around like messaging people at, at about 10 to 11. <laughs> I couldn't get to sleep. <laughs> like, that's why you're so tired. Get off Facebook, mate. But that's not, that doesn't include our listeners. I don't say get off Facebook to our listeners. I say get on Facebook, mate, to our listeners. Facebook.com slash cricket show uh, and like us there. We're posting all kinds of. I didn't get in the bin. Cut that. It's your Red Bull can. We're, we're posting all kinds of hilarious photos, aren't we? I, I did, yeah. I saw over the weekend that you'd uh, you'd posted a comedy photo that had been doing the rounds, uh, gathered a bit of attention, made me think that perhaps we could actually turn that Facebook page into the kind of George Takai of cricket. Well, well as opposed to what it is now, which is just kind of like the occasional photo of us. <laughs> Being goofy, messing about. Yeah. You might have to elaborate on why you've said George Takai there, because a lot of people just know him as Sulu or not know him at all. <laughs> well, if you've ever been on Facebook, you'll be aware that some of your friends will probably like George Takai on Facebook <laughs> and will share. He's basically—I don't know what, I don't know how it's happened, or if it's someone's just using his his identity to initially launch this page. But yeah, he just basically shares photos. This is the actor that plays like. Sulu yeah. in Star Trek. And he's got about 80 million followers, and he say just share, share stuff, and then 70 million of them will share it on <laughs> to other people. Or is it like pictures of cats and things? No, yeah, yeah, it's just like comedy internet memes that have been going around since the 90s. Let's see. Have you ever been, been on his Facebook page? I, well, I'm, this is the first time. I'm on it right now. You're missing out. Okay, so two hours ago, he posted a photo of Joe Strummer from the band The Clash. Your daily Takaili earworm, like only if you know both the song and the group. No giving it away in the comments, please. And there's a picture of Joe Strummer and a caption, Rock the Cat Box, Rock the Cat Box. 16,283 likes, 2,615 shares. Chaz Walker has commented, Lock the cash box, lock the cash box. The thieves don't like it. Lock <laughs> I love the that. Cash You've box. suddenly found a way to sing on the show. Uh, yeah, so that's what, that's what we're targeting, I think, really. Come up with some... Yeah, some cricket memes. We'll just post a picture of, like, Joe Root. Like, if you know both the player and the team. Like, no <laughs> giving it away. Something I might like do that, that actually. Yeah. yeah, that'd be quite funny. That'd be really funny, too. That's really funny. I, did, yeah. I saw this cracking Facebook page called, like, Obscure 90s Footballers or something, and it just posted photos of obscure 90s footballers. Oh, yeah. So perhaps you could do that. Obscure Atherton era cricketers. Yeah, I might. That's a good idea. Yeah. I'll do that, Tane. You're, you're full of ideas tonight. I'm an ideas man. Well, yeah, well, in the meantime, just go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash cricket show. You can follow us on Twitter as well. At cricket show is me. At Tony Cover is Tony, T O N Y C V R. Yeah, I've slightly taken my foot off the, the Twitter gas. Yeah, I have as recently. well, actually. I haven't tweeted much. I've just been too busy. <laughs> I don't know why. I, also, the beach it's the really time. hard to tweet the sun in the summer because I don't, know, I don't like tweeting in direct sunlight. <laughs> you can send us an email as well, worldcricketshow at gmail. Dot com. Uh, you can find all this stuff on our online website, www.cricketshow.net. You can download the theme song on there for free. And yeah, the, the, the really helpful thing that you could do would be to leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, we do massively appreciate all of those. Thank you to everyone who has done that recently. Uh, and yeah, 
just if you could make an effort, make a real effort, just to like tell a few people about the podcast this week. Uh, word of mouth is the best way to spread the word about the show and uh, you know get us more listeners and, and and that kind of stuff. So so do that if you. Uh, I'm 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 floundering here, Tony. You're looking at me like you're not going to help me out. <laughs> well, actually, it's quite funny. A friend of ours is back over this week. Uh, she came up last night, but I bumped into her on the way. Uh, she was like, "Oh, I've been recommending your podcast to people, uh, like my friend, my Ashes obsessed friend." Uh, and she was like, I've, "I've never actually listened to it. Don't tell Adam." She said, <laughs> "I've never I've never actually listened." If you're Jess's Ashes obsessed friend, hi. That's a <laughs> great recommendation from her. I like that you've, you've said uh, there's something kind of, uh, there's like a, what's the word, like a paradox or something where you've, you've told me that she said that on the podcast because you know that she won't listen yeah. to it and therefore won't know. But uh, I'm a bit upset about that because Jess, I, I keep saying, Jess, do you listen to this week's one? She's like, yeah, yeah, it's really good, mate. Yeah, it's really <laughs> funny. really enjoyed it. She's got a T-shirt and everything. I gave her a discount. <laughs> Mates rates. Because she said she loved the show so much. Unbelievable, Jess. Shocking. Perhaps we should just have a two-minute section at the end of the show after the credits, if there are credits. I've never got that far. Credits. <laughs> but uh, uh, where Lighting. we just slag off people that Grip. we know don't listen to the show. <laughs> just because we can. I've got a lot to say about a lot of our friends as well, so, <laughs> so that might be quite a good idea. Anyway, that's about it for this week, I think. Stay in school, everybody. Uh, school's very much on the horizon again now, Tone, isn't it? September's not far away if you're listening to this and you've got to go back to school. Literally nothing worse than September, is there, when, when you're at school? Thank God we don't have to do that anymore and we just work all year round. <laughs> yeah, we're just, we're just tired 12 months of the year as opposed to four months, whatever it is that the kids do. Oh, giving out oh, these GCSEs like cord flakes. I'm so glad that I don't get three weeks off at Christmas now. Because <laughs> that is <laughs> Oh, a little bleep to end the show. <laughs> nice, get one in. See you next time, everybody. Bye for now. Take care. Oh, are you recording? No. Oh. Anyway, so let's... What, like, yeah. come and talk, well, you've talk got a better talk microphone. You've got talk a better microphone anyway. Talk at me. What would you want me to say? Joe, just, we're just talking now. We're doing well, less, just, we're yeah, less we're just having a laugh. Yeah, laugh it's all good fun. <laughs> me and you. But I'll probably just get to about this. Bantering later. around. <laughs> What's you, taurine? You're going to drink that Red Bull. This is, should really be Rubicon. In one? No. If I had a shot of Jaeger in, easy, but... Doesn't taste too bad, actually. <laughs> You're already hyper. <laughs> Doesn't taste too bad, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready for extreme opinions. <laughs> extreme punditry. <laughs>
Yes, it's British this week. <laughs> England retain the Ashes, so we're all happy about that. Yeah, all good stuff. Yeah, Michael Clark with 100. So. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Isn't this the bit where you usually do the intro, then? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to... I was going to say something there, but I can't Something came to me in my head, and then I lost a it. A joke? Yeah, it was You don't usually joke. get those, do you? Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's that thing that's popped into my head? Oh, never mind. It's annoying, though. That's really annoying because it, it was like really funny. <laughs> now I think can we post this? You can steal my gag if you want. What gag? You can steal this gag. What gag? <laughs> you haven't made a gag. <laughs> oh, there you go. You can have that. Uh, what are they? What are the villains? The Daleks? I don't watch Doctor Who. All right. What happened in the ashes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. Oh, lol cats. Oh, we have fun here, don't we? Oh, they cut all that. Yeah, cut that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 